Hiya, my name is uh, Freya Maver. Um, I've been in things such as uh, Skins, uh, Sense of an Ending, La Dame dans l'auto, and more recently, Dead in a Week or Your Money Back. And you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. Okay, not really, but my parents named me Craig McKenzie, and I was put on this earth to consume nerdy content. The problem is, there's just so much. So I did my best, until recently, when a website allowed me to force myself upon the world. To most people, I'm a giant nerd who watches too much TV, but in secret, I'm an even bigger nerd who watches even more TV. I do this to talk about it, and protect the masses from potentially bad content. This is Neil Before Pod. So returning from his extended stay on Argo, I don't know why he went there, he doesn't know anyone, that must have been a really weird stay, but it's Chris. Hello. How was your holiday in Argo? Do you know what, it was surprisingly nice. I thought, do you know what, I've been everywhere else, so why not Argo? And you should go to Argo too. Why though, I don't know anyone. I've just been paid by the Argo Tourist Board to say that. The Argo Tourist Board, yeah. Uh, they have a tourist board, like they. Yeah. If they not got some weird, stupid rock that's keeping them alive. Well, you can get to see that rock when you oh, visit brilliant. Argo. Brilliant. Although Tuvok lives there, or some guy that looks a lot like Tuvok. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe I will go. Any any excuse to visit space. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we have to kneel before and rise against stuff. So. Uh, you can go first. What would you like to kneel before? I am going to kneel before the fact that Christopher McQuarrie has announced that he is directing two more Mission Impossible films. And we're going to get them like pretty quick as well. Um, I've really liked uh, his work with Mission Impossible. And I kind of look forward to seeing another two films. I mean, they are filming them back to back. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be as good quality, but judging by how dates and release dates seem to slip with these films, I don't think they will end up being back-to-back in the end. Yeah, well, they're, they're filming it back-to-back, which suggests it's some kind of two-part story. Mm. Uh, I wonder if this is the bow-out of Tom Cruise? Ooh, they're giving him an epic two-film finale kind of thing, before he maybe hands over to someone that's not in his 50s and trying to run around. Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, we don't know other than the fact that they're making two more with the same director and uh, that's it's so weird that now over half the franchise has the same director. <laughs> well, especially from one that kind of famed itself on sort of flipping around with different people. Yeah. And then they went, oh, this guy's good. We'll get him back one more time. Oh, actually, do you know what we'll do? <laughs> it's like, we're just going to do all of them. It's um, also not over half the franchise. It's exactly half the franchise. Yeah. It's four, so, four films that you get. But then, um, so it's going to be 2021, 2022 that we're going to get to see them. So, yeah, it's 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 good. That's the date so far. So yeah, I'm I'm up for that. I've I've really liked the stuff uh, Fallout, and that was brilliant. So yeah, looking I'm, forward I'm to seeing this. Bang up for that as well. Uh, if it is the the departure of Tom Cruise from the franchise, no one can say that he hasn't you know hasn't put in the hours, hasn't done the work. It's like yeah, okay, you know, it's like it's like when uh, Hugh Jackman decides to stop being Wolverine. You're like yeah, fair enough. Yeah, do you know what you've 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 done your time? You've done a really fair stint. Yeah, I, it it could be um, you know Ethan's Ethan's last mission. He yeah. gets to save the world and go out in absolute glory. Yeah, although what could be 
larger scale than the stuff he's already yeah, done. It's like, why does this thing kill him? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, I always think that these like big tough action heroes, they, they should die in a really unassuming way. You know, like Rambo falls over in the shower and breaks his neck. Something like that. You know, just because what else can kill him? <laughs> just something so mundane, you know, just... What else walk, kill this guy? Walk like, along on the street, a dog walks out in front of him, he trips over, head hits the pavement in the wrong way. That's it. Yeah. Ethan hunts out. Yeah, that's it. Just fine. I don't know. He's just, he's maybe just not paying enough attention while he's driving and he's in a car crash and that kills him. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Poor Ethan. Yeah, sorry, Ethan. Yeah. Uh, I feel like even if they don't kill him, he'll go into hiding and just like live his life and, and never worry about it. I don't know. Um, it's a good Neil Before, good one. I'm going to Neil Before the John Wick 3 trailer because it looks amazing. I love the John Wick movies. They're the perfect showcase for Keanu Reeves. He doesn't have to say much and he gets to show how good a stuntman he is. <laughs> I mean, I love the John Wick character as well. I love, I love that the first film, he's avenging his dead dog. That's that's the premise. He just They've killed his dog, so he's going to kill everyone <laughs> associated with the people that killed his dog. That's it. That's the story. Fantastic. Uh, the the trailer looks amazing. This one has like all of his old assassin buddies try to chase him down, which includes on horseback. So amped. <laughs> I am amped. I mean, we're getting Avengers, uh, Endgame, John Wick three, all this good stuff this year. I mean, with the John Wick films, they just throw so much at it, and I think that's what makes it such a fun watch as well. But it's competently directed as well. Like, I mean, we can count on, you know, we can't count on any number of digits. You know, the the amount of mediocre to terrible action films we've seen because you get directors that just don't know what they're doing. Mm. And like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm an expert on filmmaking, but I know a bad action film when I see it. I just might not know why it's bad as such, you know, other than I'm watching this and it's doing nothing for me. But actually, I'll try and find them for the notes, but um, there were some YouTube videos that I watched, this is ages ago now, I can't remember what channel it is, but it was good. And they were talking about the use of cinematic language in things like John Wick. And it was talking about things like, um, whenever John Wick is in a fight, so he's in a gun battle or whatever, he's always shot from the, like, the left and the bad guys are shot from the right. So that your brain tells you what side they're on uh, it's just cinematic shorthand to tell you that stuff and you get and you know the cuts are clean so it always keeps with that and then when you see him shot from the right that tells you that you know that he's in danger at that point because he's lost control of the situation so that kind of stuff fascinates me and I want to learn more about it but that's just one example of why it's good because the directors know what they're doing they know how to frame these things they they understand how action scenes work and I suppose if you were to look at Die Hard or any of the other really good ones, you would get a similar sort of visual language mm. going on if you were to suddenly look for it. So I will find those videos because I think people should watch and learn. Yeah, and I think accepting crap action films. I think the thing is that they take time with these films. The fact that they've found success and found a following doesn't mean that they've put one out a year. You know, they're not yeah. putting these things out super quick and and causing problems, which seems. <laughs> which seems to go against what I've just said about Mission Impossible, but, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, they're not sort of quickly rattling these things out and they're keeping the quality standard high, presumably. We've not oh, seen no, it definitely. yet, so let's go with presumably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. 
Uh, I'm I'm going to put a stamp on it now. It's going to be. Oh, it gets yeah. the official kneel before pod seal of approval. It does. It does. Can, can we can we superimpose the seal of approval in here? I'll play like the noise the noise of the seal of approval, please. Yeah, I could play like a big metallic stamping sound effect. <laughs> yeah, um, or even just a normal stamp sound effect. Depends what. I, I, I was thinking a seal, but anyway. Right. Oh yes, a seal. Let's okay. get the actual seal. Or I could stamp and then use a steel seal. Anyway, don't don't stamp on the seal. Yeah. You put the stamp down, and then the seal of approval officially seals the stamp of yeah. approval. There we go. Let's see what I can come up with, <laughs> or hear what I can come up with. Cool. Uh, let's move on to rising against. What? are you not liking this week? I am kind of disappointed that uh, EA Electronic Arts, they've cancelled another Star Wars game uh, and it was going to be a, an open world one which is the kind of thing I like. As much as I know that people like sort of the uh, Battlefront ones where it's uh, player v player and sort of teams on teams, I always like a sort of open world story kind of uh, game. And uh, yeah, it was. we didn't know that much about it to be honest. But it was an open world title. Um, it was codenamed Orca. Okay. Not Space Orca, not anything like that. It was just called Orca. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rumours are that it was based on a sort of a smuggling uh, game, a sort of little rebellious uh, smuggling game that was going to be made by another publisher previously. Um, but EA have pulled it because they're going to work on a smaller scale Star Wars game. So it either means that we're going to get another online multiplayer stab each other with lightsabers game or something along those lines by the sounds of it hmm yeah uh, I don't know I, I did read about this although there is another Star Wars game coming out this year called Fallen Order or something like that um, and I thought it was that <laughs> so you know I, I guess there's just a bit of overlap when it comes to uh, when it comes to Star Wars stuff yeah, this this was apparently getting ready for a 2020 release date, this one. So it was the early, early phases. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe uh, maybe they tried to bite off more than they can chew. Maybe there's stuff that they can salvage for the smaller scale game. I, I don't know. Maybe the scope will just be slightly smaller for it. But, uh, you know, I, I think they, they, they've struggled a lot to put Star Wars into video games. So I, I, would, I would like to see a, a new one, an up-to-date one. They've struggled in some cases, but they've also done really well. I mean, Lucasfilm were, or LucasArts, when they when they existed, mm. were making some really good stuff. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't remember most of them, but there's things like Knights of the Old Republic. Everyone loves them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing this wasn't another Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, maybe it was, I suppose. Um, they would make good stuff back in the day. I remember play, spending hours on a, an X-Wing fighter game that they made and uh, I think there was a thing called Droidworks that I had when I was younger as well, which was a lot of fun. Episode 1 Racer in the N64. That was, <laughs> that was quite something. Um, yeah. Yeah, Star Wars games. I like a good Star Wars game. So I'm going to rise against something that I don't even hate that much. Uh, I watched the first episode of the rebooted Roswell TV series on well it's on the CW because of course it is um, <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the original Roswell TV series no I haven't 
Uh, I watched it back in the day. It was fine. Uh, it's not, you know, it didn't set the earth on fire with how good it was. And I don't know, it had enough of a fan base to sustain it through its three seasons, I suppose. Um, but the reboot is just, it's also kind of fine. And it's left me wondering why they're making it. Because it, it has a lot of the same beats that the original one does. So the first episode is, you know, like Liz, the the well, one of the lead characters named Liz, she gets shot. Uh, and Max, who's an alien, uh, heals her because that's one of his alien powers. And then she finds out that he's an alien, and then they end, they they embark upon a will they won't they romance for a period of time. So the original show they were teenagers, so they were at high school. This one they're like in their twenties. Liz is like a scientist, which is kind of what she was in the first one anyway. And she's Latina now, which you know. The CW's got to hit that diversity quota. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying that, you know, if you watch enough CW shows, which we both do, you start to notice these little things that they keep doing. You know, you've got the um, the mixed race character, you have the gay character, you have, you know, and so on. Um, it seems that that's what they're doing on all their shows, and I don't know if, like, that's always the best thing to do, because you might just be making a superficial point about the the thing that you're making a point about. I don't know. But... I watched the episode and I was I was reasonably entertained by it, but I was also kind of lukewarm on it. And I'm like, okay, you're updating this. In theory, try to bring it to a new audience. I watched the first episode of Charmed and it's like, you're trying to do something different with it. I can see that. But like with Roswell, it doesn't seem like they're doing much different other than the, act- the characters are now the same age as the actors playing them as opposed to pretending to be 10 years younger. Uh, so yeah, that's that's me. I'm rising against the mediocrity of rebooting old TV shows and uh, we'll get to see how, if you watch more of it, if I watch more of it, I'll get to see how the CW trappings Mm. creep in. It's like, here's the love triangle. (laughs) Here's the will they, won't they? Here's the, I can't be with you because you're an alien. You know, here's here's all this. I can see it. I can see it. I've almost predicted the entirety of the first season. You You need to put them in a sealed envelope so you can reveal if all this comes true. I'll I'll rise against it when season one's complete and I'll be like, yeah, so in episode two, that happened. You know, I think, um, yeah. It's it is what it is in that respect. I'm sure it has an audience, although I can't imagine that audience. I don't know what that audience is. Come to think of it, because it's, there's the same other. There's plenty of this garbage out there. You know? I I don't know. I think the the thing is, it's like they're looking for ones that other other TV networks haven't got their mitts on, or other streaming platforms haven't. So they sort of look about and go, right, is there something out there that we could just relicense or get a hold of off of someone that we can? Well, do? Warner Brothers already had it. It was, well, it was on, like, the WB back in the day. So, yeah, they can just easily chuck it in. Yeah, you're right. It's just, what have we got in our what have we got in our uh, back pocket that we can pick up again? It's a similar thing to the, you know, if a particular format starts to take off, that people start looking about for anything they can find that sort of matches it in similar ways. The fact that, for example, Game of Thrones is ending soon, so lots of them are looking about for different fantasy things that they can pick up you know, in yeah. far flung, far flung worlds, and there was a whole string of them that started up around about the same time as Game of Thrones. You know, season yeah. three of Game of Thrones started, and season one of all these very, very similar type shows started cropping up. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's and the CW they do seem to make variations on the same thing quite a lot of the time. You know, the the sort of um, the wrapping is different, but the everything else is um, 
you know, everything else is the same. The DNA is very much the same. Uh, which is, you know, kind of why we're frustrated with The Flash sometimes. We keep kicking that show, even though it's getting better. <laughs> you know, listen to our mid-season podcast where we uh, don't quite give it the kicking that we always do. But um, you notice these things, or they crop up in Arrow, which is the show that we're going to talk about in another podcast. Or They certainly cropped up in Supergirl, the show that we're here to talk about, uh, because they did. You know, you had the love triangles, you had the angst, you had all that, that nonsense. So now that our Kneel Before Rise Against is over, let's get to the main event. So season four of Supergirl is back, like, next week, as per this recording. Possibly last week, by the time I get this recording online. But we'll see. Uh, so, without spoiling it, Chris, what did you think? Um, I've always had a bit of a love-hate thing with Supergirl. And this season, I think, has been okay. It's been a bit darker in tone than I think we're used to with Supergirl. Um, I don't know if maybe it's just hitting a bit too close from home, but um, yeah, I, I think it's been it's been okay so far. I've kind of, I kind of feel the same in some respects. I mean, I'll, I love the show, love the characters, and I do like that this season is actually trying to be about something. It's taken what... It, and it isn't something that they didn't establish before. It's been in the background since about season two, but they're they're taking it and running with it and uh, and delivering some really good stuff. I mean, we'll get more into it once we can spoil stuff. But yeah, I think this has been a strong season so far. I mean, it meanders here and there, mm-hmm. but it's strong. Yeah, like you say, it does occasionally sort of waver from the path. But in there, I think there's a couple of really powerful episodes, even if they're not particularly powerful. Supergirl uh, heavy episodes are still some good content in there. Yeah. And I mean, without spoiling it, I can't say much else, so should we just move on? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Okay, so the main thrust of this season is about Supergirl well, all the characters really battling racism, anti-alien sentiment that's been growing since the second season um, which is kind of coming to a head now where you've got the Children of Liberty um, who are kind of Purge style people <laughs> trying to take out aliens, uh, led by the charismatic uh, Agent Liberty. Um, I like that this is a problem that Kara can't punch. You know, there's isolated incidents that she can get involved with, but it doesn't solve the problem. So she'll fight a villain, she'll deal with a situation, she'll fight a dragon, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but she can't punch racism, she can't defeat that. Um, and sometimes I think it buries it a little bit, and they do mention it early on that Supergirl is accepted because she looks human. Um, although the fact that she keeps a secret identity is a weirdly hypocritical thing for her because she's talking about aliens should feel free to express themselves and be open. It's like I've got to get to that fake job that I hold. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get to that fake job with my fake name so that yeah. I can hide and yeah. no one knows who I am. Yeah. But that that can be applied the other way as well. Where you then get the Agent Liberty angle, which is uh, these aliens shouldn't be disguising themselves and hiding away as he talks from behind his mask yeah. to try and say what he's doing. And you just you're sitting there going on both sides of that argument, they're kind of losing. She's constantly hidden, and you know, obviously towards the the mid season, it's 
you know, she gets given that choice. You either reveal yourself to the US government or you yeah. don't, and then you're off. You're, you, you know, we can't work with you anymore. That bit was a bit confusing to me. I always kind of thought that... Um, I always kind of thought that the DEO knew who Kara was, you know, considering the fact that she cuts about there in her civilian clothes, openly talking loudly to Alex about stuff that she's been up to as Supergirl. And, you know, obviously Jean knew and Alex knows, but it just seems like everybody knew. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the recent the recent season she's not done that as much, but like you say, in previous uh, seasons, she's been walking about in her civvies, she's been chatting about family events that they're going to. Yeah. So, yeah, is there an agent at the DEO that doesn't know who Supergirl actually is? And in fact, I think her name's just shouted out constantly anyway. Yeah. So, you would think that it would be sort of common knowledge and I I don't get why the government are like oh we want to do it and we want to make your name public because you would think like a government agency even in the current day and in this universe has agents that go under different names that you would never find out what their real name is yeah. so why could she not you know have a fake name or a fake alias or something that that yeah, like undercover agents, defectors, things like yeah, that. Yeah, you, yeah. They won't be well known to the public, or known at all to the public. So it could be, your identity wouldn't leave these four walls. Fine. And then, she can't really have an objection to that. Yeah, and there'd be the inevitable leak. But I suppose at the same time, they've also had Superman cutting about for years yeah. in this in this world. So, how does that that work, you know? Do they know who he is, but they've just not revealed it at this point? I mean, it's like I'm trying to work out the context of it when they were arguing, and it seemed like such a big deal. So I was like, why yeah. Why is this now an issue? There's also the um, the easy answer is, I don't have a secret identity. She could say that. I mean, how do they prove it? And it's got, it can't be that difficult to figure out. Like, there's a lot of overlap in the circle of friends. So it's like, I see Alex Danvers talking to these two reasonably identical looking women. Yeah. <laughs> Both I mean, called Cara. Yeah. And they. <laughs> yeah. Which Cara are you talking about? I mean, the one that you know about, obviously, not the other Cara. I, uh, yeah. I mean, you've got the, the general who's been sort of parachuted into the deal, and you'd even think that she would know. Yeah. Cara's identity or have worked it out yeah. or maybe even be in files in the deal you would suspect well remember there was the hologram of her mother that they had in the basement <laughs> you know <laughs> that, no, that, that's probably says hi Cara every time you switch it on stop Cara <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah, so stop giving away my it's identity it's a bit weird and maybe, maybe they will answer that question or maybe it's just something we're supposed to accept yeah she's not well known yeah. you know it was only Jean and Alex that knew and everyone else just wasn't paying attention I think some of the bits where it has been playing its strongest is, like you say, the fact that it's this public outcry, public resentment that she's trying to fight against rather than, you know, an individual bad guy a week. And even if you take Agent Liberty out of the picture, the idea in the public's mind is out there and has just gone wildly out of control. Well, the, the episode Bunker Hill, mm. the title is so obvious, you know, it's like... 
it's a it's a victory that isn't actually a victory because it proves to be more damaging than if they've been defeated. Um, that's the historical footnote that they give you. But yeah, the idea is. Um, I keep wanting to call him Davis because that was his name in Smallville. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Um, ben. Mm. Ben Lockwood. He gets arrested uh, because fair enough, criminal. Everyone knows he's Agent Liberty, but he's just been martyred. Everyone knows the face of Agent Liberty. Oh my God, he's one of us. He's been tossed aside because he is... He shares my views. Yeah, he's been tossed aside because he shares my views. Everyone uh, everyone who's rallied against him is now more committed to rally behind him. Uh, I meant behind him, not against him. Uh, So, yeah, the situation is now worse. And what you'll have is you'll have a bunch of copycats, you'll have people trying to get in his stead. The organisation will gain more traction. I presume his trial will be very, very public. It'll be one of those trials where he uses it to try and get his point across. I'm talking like Baltar in uh, Battlestar yeah, Galactica. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, where he's, he writes his memoirs from prison that people read. And uh, his, the, his day in court is a political opportunity to get his views across. Uh, frame this narrative in such a way that makes him look like a hero that's being persecuted and that'll be it and call, call all the witnesses that he wants himself Yeah, to basically put yeah. his view over in the best way try and trip people up and his methodology is a bit weird in, in terms of the I want to prove aliens are dangerous by like brainwashing aliens to be more dangerous <laughs> yeah it's uh, you know I've, I've I, know that uh, this is going to cause tons of damage but this damage will be good in the end you know I'm angry because I lost my house and it wasn't covered so what I'm going to do is I'm going to destroy lots of people's houses so that they're all as peeved off as I am you know yeah I don't know it's like if everyone sees it from my point of view because they're now in the exact same boat then uh, and I I think the bit that kind of showed how powerful that can become is the type of people that were turning to his side mm. so it goes to like a very suburban neighbourhood yeah. and you've got like the the single mums and the and the, the family man dads mm. going about hunting aliens, mm-hmm. it's not just the occasional nutter, the occasional street thug, it's everyday people that you wouldn't expect to suddenly yeah. be outraged, ah yeah and that's what Kara's most disgusted by because it's like, oh, all these people, these are just normal people. These are the people I fight for. These are the people I've always fought for. But, like, you can also almost see the point. We've had annual alien invasions. It's somewhat dangerous, you know, or certain aliens are dangerous. Although, I don't think they're quite clear on the refugee issue. Are they alien refugees? Or, you know, as there are as as only pockets of them, but it seems like the population's quite huge. Well, it seems so very is it? spread, you know, yeah. And is it Chinatown in New York, or is it people coming over the Channel Tunnel? You don't, yeah. you, you don't get the impression, or at least you've not seen it so far as being like a worldwide issue. It seems like an America issue, and it seems to be sort of around about that belt, but not. Uh, all across the world people are protesting about... Now, maybe that's what they're going to escalate it to. Mm. I mean, once that kind of thought spreads, I mean, I'm sure we're going to end up talking about it, but it's kind of hitting very close to 
things that are going on in America today, things that are going on in Europe and the yeah. UK today. Um, you know, it, it it seems to be basically going full blown for that. So maybe they will go down the line and go right. It's more than a a a, a American problem. It's more than a city problem. Yeah. It's a huge world issue. And I I don't know. Maybe the fact that Clark is going to be off the board as well. I mean, I know that wasn't really a. A Supergirl reveal that was in Elseworlds. I think they did it, but it was in the Supergirl. It was in the Supergirl Elseworlds. Elseworlds episode, but um, you know, basically him saying, "I'm going to be off for a bit." So, yeah. like the guy that's been, I suppose, the figurehead up until this point of Aliens on Earth is about to disappear or has disappeared, yeah, and isn't there to go, whoa, 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 <laughs> simmer down. <laughs> It's going to be Kara left to to do it, and is she going to be convincing enough? Because hmm. um, you get you get to see Kara in that debate with Lockwood. Oh, she gets destroyed. Oh, she gets shot down. I mean, the fact that it's around about Thanksgiving as well was like the perfect yeah. like one shot ammunition to just end the whole but the thing discussion. Is, but Kara went into that discussion armed with only her feelings. She went and expressed it was fairly empty sentiment. It was like we should open our hearts at this time of year. And it's like, oh, you mean like the time of year where we celebrate this? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, But what you get, like, the reason that Lockwood is so uh, influential is because he hits there with. He's well prepared. He knows how to win a crowd over by speaking. You know, he's a very charismatic guy. He knows facts and is able to twist those facts into the narrative that he wants to tell. And since he's so charismatic, he does it in a way that convinces people. So. That makes him a much more powerful villain than he would otherwise be. And I think the Ben Lockwood side rather than the Agent Liberty side is more effective for that reason. Because I reckon he could turn more people over with uh, as Ben Lockwood with his TV show that he ends yeah, up getting yeah. than he could with Agent Liberty appearing at community centres delivering speeches. <laughs> you know. And where do they find these community centres, by the way? Just like, yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> it's a very interesting issue, and obviously it's very topical, it's very modern. Uh, there's a lot of viewers that have been turned off because they see Supergirl as being a social justice warrior, Haven, you know. Um, and I sort of understand where people are coming from, although people are arguing as if it's never if it's never been that before now, which it always has been. It's always promoted these sorts of things. It's It's been a broadly feminist show, but I don't think to, to a degree that that makes me roll my eyes. You know, it's not the type of feminism that disparages men, for example. It's, you know, all the characters are effectively created equal. Yeah, mm. I mean, they've covered a lot of issues on the programme, sometimes some more subtly than others. But yeah. this isn't new. I think it's just more in your face in this season than potentially it's been in the past. And that might be what's riling some people. Mm. Um, it's also the fact that it's filling up the every episode, which means that there's kind of a lack of variety. Yeah, I, I think so. But at the same time, if it had been another powerful Kryptonian arrives on Earth bent on destroying it for no apparent reason or an ongoing alien invasion plot or whatever, you, it, I don't think I think we would have the opposite complaint. Yeah. We'd go, where's the, the human angle? Where's the person on the ground angle? Which I think this is covering 
slightly more, especially when you get the the episode going into sort of Lockwood's backstory yeah. and sort of seeing how his views are twisted. I mean, they don't quite go as far as going, well, you would think this too if you yeah. were him. But they, they heavily hint at the, well, this guy started out being completely, anyone can come here, anyone should be able to be here, to ranting in a lecture hall. Yeah. You know, basically starting to spew propaganda. And that's when he started up his, you know, his Agent Liberty. Uh, yeah, and act. I think that episode, it, it things moved a little bit too quickly. You know, it skips over a lot of time. But I did quite like the... Oh look, here he's in the background of this episode, sort of thing, and um, you know they managed to cover up either uh, episodes like that are good for covering up that Melissa Benoist is either filming, um, either filming the crossover where she needs time out to do that, or she's uh, on Broadway. Two things needed extra <laughs> time for, her, but um, and some of that was when she was in her anti-kryptonite suit uh, when the. Yeah, the atmosphere was briefly irradiated. <laughs> very, very, very briefly. It's like, um, oh no, nanites. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, da da. Well done. I, that that kind of peeved me off because I was like, oh, this is a massive problem. Like they used this to spread lead, and it lasted in the atmosphere for years and years and years. Oh my god, how are they going to get out of this? She's going to be in that suit for a number of episodes now. It was like, no, this is a one episode and done dealy. You know, we've done the magic, we've hit the button, we've fired a number of nanites into the sky, and that was enough. Yeah. That's the whole world. The whole world has been cleansed. Yeah. It all happened within a period of, ooh, about five, ten minutes. It's all done. Uh, They are some (laughs) fast-travelling nanites. My God. Also, I I really hated how Cara behaved in that episode. Because it was like the I want to go into action. It's like no, it's too dangerous. We'll handle it. And, she, and then she does it anyway, and ends up making the situation worse, and ends up almost getting herself killed. And it's like, no, no, no. I get that you're a hero, but you're supposed to have learned that sometimes it's good to step away and let other people do it because, you know, you you've learned this before. So why are you suddenly doing this now? Like, get a grip. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that I talk about all the time where they just write people to be stupid because yeah. they need them to walk into. Yeah. You need Disaster to be at that point. You need the conflict. Self-righteous and self-sacrificing and all the selves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all the selves. Um, so that was a bit weak. We have a kind of truncated podcast today because we have no time. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, we'll, we'll be coming back at end of season anyway and we'll touch on all of this stuff. We'll, we'll go into more detail at the end of the season on everything. Um, so consider this as a bit of a tease for our end of season podcast. So journalism has come back into our life in a big way mm. and I think they've done okay with it in some respects badly in others introduction of Nia has been quite good it's like oh my god you're me in season one you know? <laughs> um, and they did that without making her really annoying yeah I mean I, I quite like her introduction she did get sort of welcomed into the family and welcomed into the fold like ridiculously quickly yeah. but I suppose she was sort of paired up with Kara for a little bit yeah, and then there was the whole issue of... Well, it's not an issue, but the character's transgender, but also an alien. So, like, if what's it, all the women in her family have dream-walking powers or dream powers, mm. but she's not originally a woman, so by... I get the statement that they're probably trying to make through that. Yeah. Which I, get, which I guess what it is. 
What's the idea what, what, you, what, yeah. what you feel you are, your body then takes the yeah. the, the the weight of it. So that's yeah. how the that's how it works. Obviously, alien physiology instead yeah. of human physiology. But they're making the that's the the message that they're making through that. Yeah, and then she understands the the persecution that aliens will, will face because of the the whole transgender thing as well. Um, her t- her team up with uh, or her interactions with Brady are quite funny. It was the, I thought you were going to call me. It's like, no, you told me to find you. I did that. <laughs> yeah, I found out everything about you in great detail. Yeah, but I didn't call you. I mean, like, their initial their initial meeting in the, the, the pizza, pizza shop, yeah. I think, was just done really, really well. Yeah. And Brainy's reaction to the way that that happened, the, well, it wasn't the glitch, it was sort of the, the hack. Mm. Of the, um, I keep forgetting the name of the device. The image inducers. Image inducer. There we go. The hack of the image inducers. Uh, I think that was really neatly done. Her reaction of basically stepping in front and going, "You're not." Yeah. This isn't the way to stop. And I, I liked that sort of that sort of put her character right there. And you go, "Oh, she is uh, key. She is willing to defend. She's not just going to stand back in the background and be." Yeah, and shock away, she finally stepped forward, and I thought that sort of said a lot about the character in that introduction. And like you say, they've been quite fun the way they've been playing about with it. I'm going to call it a romance, but it's not your conventional yeah. romance in any way like that. Although the episode where she masters her powers, it was like, okay, I'm having these dreams, I don't understand them. To I can predict when this is going to hit you. And it's like. <laughs> Uh, give it a couple of weeks, like let let the development happen gradually. Yeah, the real the realization that a couple of things that you've been dreaming about actually happen, yeah. and then maybe you learn to focus it a little bit more on what you want to see happen, yeah, or what you're wanting to predict, and then yeah, yeah. So in terms of the journalism, though, it's given Kara a different perspective on things, and she's actually doing her job, which is good. But there was the episode, the one that struck out at me was the episode where she interviewed that alien healer dude mm. uh, and then suddenly it was like oh yeah he's not all he's cracked up to be as a child it's illegitimate but it turns out it's the mother that kept her away and it's like and she finds out all this stuff so it's like it's the first interview he's done in 20 years he's so mysterious and then she finds out all this stuff with a five minute google search <laughs> and it's like did you not research this guy before you interviewed him hey, did, did you <laughs> do what I do and went and winged it if not I prepare yeah. for my interviews <laughs> but uh I present you the hat of questions. Yeah. Pull out any of the questions that you like out of this hat. Yeah, um, but it's, it made no sense. It was like it, it should at least have been difficult information to find. Yeah, the fact that she then basically went and Googled it and figured the whole thing out from yeah. there. You're like, well, yeah, there would have been some prep involved yeah. before you do this. Surely the fact that she got invited to do this interview would mean that she would put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. It's not If he's not being interviewed every five minutes... Yeah. You go and make sure that you're going to do the best interview he's had in 20 years. Yeah. In theory, it's Kara learning the lesson about how she has to consider her stories from all angles before making any assumptions. Because, you know, she makes a snap judgment about this guy, assuming that he's a saint when he isn't. And, uh, or maybe he was. I mean, she just assumed that, you know, everything was taken at face value and it wasn't. And that's dangerous. But she's been doing the job for two years. So, like, you'd think she would have had to learn that by now. In theory, this is supposed to give James something to do, although we're back on the Guardian train again, which is... <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I like the idea that he's being made a symbol of the 
agents of liberty, whether he is or whether he yeah, believes they, they in it or saw, not. They saw footage of him punching aliens, so they went, yeah. ah, he's our guy. Uh, yeah, but then it's like very clear what his views are, and that suddenly like the children of liberty shouldn't be welcoming him because they know that he doesn't like them. Well, like you say, like that initial video view, and then you would do your research, Google the guy and go, well, every other op-ed says... Yeah. I, I don't quite get where they would then go, oh, he's he's the guy for this. Also, all the consequences of him being Guardian seem to get, like, kicked out the way very quickly. I know yeah. that well, Lena sort of steps in yeah. on his behalf, but that, that would be for the offence that he had committed prior, not anything he commits in future, yeah, you would think. Clear. And then it yeah. seems that it's like, all oh, right, now we're just... Because everyone knows who he is now. Yeah, it's not so any consequences out, of him yeah. going out and doing what he's doing would come back to James Olsen now, yeah. not just go to anonymous inbox mark guardian at yeah. AOL.com. No, it's, it's... Yeah, that's a weird one, because after that there isn't really any fallout from when he's out in the costume and stuff. Oh. Um... Which is a bit strange. Uh, I guess just a final thing I'd like to talk about about Man- Manchester Black. Mm. I love the character. I love his little fighting style where he just you know moves out the way and lets them hit each other. I like that. Um, I think the whole I'm you know I'm a pacifist and then oh my fiance is <laughs> dead. Where's the shotgun? Where, where Where's the shotgun? And I'm now going to hang this guy above a bathtub and yeah. uh, poke him until it hurts like, real whoa. bad. And I, I didn't really... I mean, we didn't have enough time to buy into his relationship with Fiona before she was killed. But then, at the same time, it's just... Yeah, this is extreme very quickly. Yeah, we didn't... We didn't get a lot with Fiona, to be honest. We didn't get much about John's relationship. We basically come in and it's already established. And yeah. It's like, just take on board the fact that he's obviously... Yeah, um, getting on very well with her. Then Manchester Black comes over, and you're meant to go, okay, well he's traumatised at what's happened yeah. because it's been this is the person that got him on the straight and narrow, and he was on a sugarly peg ready to kill. <laughs> so you're like, okay, I mean, I, uh, the quick Google I did on the character was the Union Jack T-shirt. I was like, well, if the accent isn't enough, why the T-shirt? But yeah. apparently, that's in the comics because I had I had to search for the picture because I was sitting there. And I was like, oh, come on, this T-shirt's a bit much, along with the accent and the name. Uh, it kind of gives it away. You don't, you know, the only thing else he needs is to turn up in a London taxi. Uh, and then that's, you got the troll trifecta of British yeah. things to make sure we know where he's from. Yeah. And you should um, you should actually watch an animated film called Superman vs. the Elite. Manchester Black features very heavily in that. All right, it's okay. interesting. It's sort of an ideological battle sort of thing, but that's a different discussion. Um yeah, he's a good character though. I think the the actor playing him is very very charismatic. He's very good, um, even though they've kind of fumbled his story a bit. Uh, just in terms of how quickly everything's happening, uh, Jean, I think they're doing well. Like, I want to be a pacifist. Uh, maybe I have to figure out what fights are best to engage in. Yeah, can I can yeah. I can I ignore every fight that's going yeah. on around me, or do I occasionally need to step yeah. in? And then you've got the whole. I'm going to be a detective for aliens. So I called it season three podcast. I said, hopefully they'll do the detective John Jones thing. And they are. John Jones PI. Yeah. So I think that's all we've got time for. We covered some things. We bullet pointed some, some Supergirl issues to play with. Mm. Um, I think our season, full season discussion in about May will be more comprehensive. Yes. But, 
that's hopefully a little teaser. So, Chris, thanks for quickly chatting about this. You're welcome. And I'm off to fight a dragon. So, that was our super speed discussion on the first half of Supergirl Season 4. Thanks to YouTubers Dagma and Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please leave us a star rating and a comment to let us know you care. You can talk to us about this or anything else on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or go to neilbeforeblog.co.uk and leave a comment. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.